You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 29 West Tolpahawken Street. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. This week, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday, I bit my lip, like the inside of my lip. Don't you hate that? But then even worse, then you have this sore in your mouth that you can't stop tonguing. You know? You just can't stop putting your tongue on it. Just couldn't stop touching it. No matter what you're doing, your, your tongue and that irritant are like magnetized towards each other. You, you feel me on that? Someone's saying preach. This is good. I think wounds in general are like that, but especially mouth wounds. The, the bodily kind, the emotional kind, the spiritual kind, all these wounds, they, they have this, this need for us to touch them. We, 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 need, we, we, we want to touch. And today we're talking about a, a particular spiritual and emotional wound that everyone in this room has, okay? I think everyone has experienced, uh, maybe everyone has experienced biting their lip, but, but more seriously, everyone has experienced the lack. The lack. The lack is another powerful magnet that, that pulls our attention all day long, like we just bit our lip and we can't stop tonguing it. Though, though we might be used to it, we might be so used to it that we're unaware of its power. Lack, lack is so powerful. Lack lives on the end of a scale. And on the other side of the scale, here we are down at the bottom of it, is lack. The other side of the scale is excess. Lack and excess seem to be the only options we have if we're seeing the world from a scarcity mindset, which is the way the world teaches us to see. There's not enough. There's only one pie. You've got to get your piece. Somebody else is going to get in front of you in the line. You know, this kind of mentality. We're all aware uh, of that, what I'm calling a scarcity mindset. And each of us has a particular reason for seeing the world this way. Usually the lack that we experienced as a child is the, the biggest piece of it. But we all have had our thinking framed by this worldly perspective, scarcity. I think it's the foundational truth of US culture. Scarcity is at the core of what makes America, America. Our most compelling mythologies are connected to excess and creating wealth. Rags to riches, us against the world, the pursuit of happiness, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, the American dream. Every day, we're compelled to care about the wealthiest Americans when we are reminded that the Dow Jones industrial average is okay, and then we're okay. Here's a telling quote from a Forbes article I found online. The current economic expansion in the United States is the longest uninterrupted period of growth in its, in its modern recorded history. This is a development that Trump has wasted few opportunities to highlight. He said, our economy is the best it has ever been, best employment and stock market numbers ever. This is what he was talking about at the State of the Union. And the, again, this is just verbatim quote, Trump's boasting, apart from the usual inaccuracy, is at odds with the reality of surprisingly fragile US economy. And, and this is the part I really wanted you to hear. Since 2009, the economy has grown by only 25%. In the past 10 years, we've only grown by 25%. Back in the 80s and 90s, we were growing by 38 and 
Last 10 years, though, it's a long time, but it's only 25%. The lack. The lack. The economy has to keep growing every year, year after year. If it goes less than 2% in a year, we're all going to die. Because we have this idea of continued expansion. We're constantly reminded of our need for more excess. Even if it doesn't impact us normal 99% people very much. But when the powerful 1% cause another recession, you better believe we're going to feel it. 2008 was no joke, y'all, right? People were affected by that. People were really hurt by that. People in my neighborhood in South Jersey are still recovering their assets from that. The housing market has not bounced back in, in South Jersey the way it has in Philadelphia. So the threat is real. And we as Christians or as aspiring Christians, depending on where you're coming from tonight, we are saying we're made new in the new creation. And so we must wrestle with how to surf the waves that come crashing down from, from the top. I personally, I'm refusing the anxiety that comes with those news updates that the, the Dow Jones ended the week down because of the coronavirus, y'all. That's what really matters. You know, I'm refusing that anxiety, but, but I have to, it has to actively be refused, like every day, because it's presented to me all the time. How we respond to that anxiety takes us back to the lack, the lack. Like a sore in the mouth, you just keep tonguing it. The threat of lack is very motivating. It's primal. It has to do with our limbic system, our lizard brain, the part of our consciousness that was first born. Our, our primary motivation is to guard ourselves against the lack. Lack of enough warmth, food, comfort, soothing. These are one of the first things that we, we had to learn to adapt to as infants. Did you ever consider that no matter how good your parents were, every single human being goes through this necessary trauma of becoming a, a being who needs comfort that is not automatic? They've spent nine months having everything just pumped into their body, and now they're out in the world and they have to cry. This is a traumatic thing that, and that happens hundreds of times, probably, in the, in the first let's say hundreds of times in the first year, just to be generous to all you attachment parenters. You know, it happens hundreds of times where you need to, your, your child cries out and the need isn't met immediately. Everyone goes through this and we're not even conscious of it. I think that's shaping very much who we are. And it's connected to why we might be so scared when the government says that we've only grown by 25% and that's a problem. How do we refuse that? <laughs> you know, it might be easy to refuse the economic narrative, but how do we refuse that lack that is basic to our consciousness that happened before we were even conscious? We must be made new in Christ. That's the answer. We must no longer consider anyone or anything from a worldly perspective, as it says in 2 Corinthians 5.16. Something new has to happen because we're lost if we're going to be operating on the same old scripts. This is very, very deep, this transformation, this change of perspective that Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians 5.16. In Circle of Hope, we like to say that we're radical because we want to get down to the root. And this stuff is down there. It's at the root. This basic understanding of lack, this basic programming. I think recognizing 
the, the new dilemma will go a long way. And this is how I'm de describing this new dilemma, new, new choices here. Uh, when you're listening to the radio and they tell you that Dow Jones is down and you say, oh no, in that moment, we resist. Wait, no. I'm going to regard my life in a different way. I'm a new creation. That's the dilemma. Am I going to say, oh, no, like they taught me to say? Or am I going to say, no? Am I going to pause and say, no, that's not who I am. I'm not operating out of that lack. I'm not going to just react to whatever fear they're feeding me. I'm a new creation. Something new has happened in me. I think this is a concrete way to change our perspective. Like, for real. But maybe you don't listen to NPR as much as I do. And maybe that report doesn't register on your emotional radar. This is a, this is a bigger project than just uh, lambasting the American dream. We're getting at when, when does the lack come up for you? What is it that makes you react in fear? When do you say, oh, no, and do something from that basic fear? We're, we're looking and we're paying attention. And I think that paying attention to those things is going to make a difference. The simple act of noting what raises the fear of the lack. When we're creating a new dilemma, is this, is this who I am? Am I going to operate just that same old way? Am I going to be subject to the same old script? Or am I going to take this new script that Jesus is offering? It starts by, by reading the new lines. The old things have passed away. And look, all things are made new. So try this. Next time, that feeling, and I think you know this feeling. I'm going to keep talking about it for a little bit, but you might be with me already. And you're, when, Next time that feeling of the lack comes up, when you want to tongue it, try this. Say the new line. The old things have passed away. Look, all things are made new. Can we say that together? It goes like this. The old things have passed away. Look. All things are made new. You think you can do it? It's a long sentence. One more time. I'm going to say it, and then you're going to say it, okay? The old things have passed away. Look, all things are made new. The old things have passed away. Look, all things are made new. Got to get your lines down. We need a new script. Again, lack lives on this scale that only offers excess as an alternative. That's the... That's the name of my talk. I'll just give you a, a roadmap of where I'm going here. We're moving in the new creation from excess to abundance. I'll get to abundance in a minute. But when, when, you're, living in that, when you're living out of the lack, when you're just responding to the lack, the only thing you're ever going to get, I think, is excess. And excess and abundance, you know, at first glance, they kind of sound like synonyms, right? Excess and abundance, so, yeah, it means the same thing. But even in the dictionary, uh, excess has this kind of evaluation to it. It's like too much as opposed to too little, whereas abundance is more neutral. It's just, just a lot of stuff, you know? It doesn't have that evaluation as part of its connotation. We're trying to, to get a new script, and I, I think that that starts um, with making that kind of nuanced distinction that we're going to stop evaluating, do I have enough? And we're going to live out of God's um, abundance. Because new creation gives us a new kind of evaluation a new perspective. The worldly perspective is a wound we can't stop tonguing. No matter how hard we work, we know that the excess we pile up for ourselves is pre precarious. The guy in Forbes is worried about 25% growth in 10 years, 
and he says that the U.S. economy is fragile. On a personal level, you know what would happen if you lost your job or if you got slammed with a huge medical bill, which you probably will because your insurance sucks. It does. Whose insurance doesn't suck? Yes. Nice. A couple of people's insurance doesn't suck. Great. Everyone else's does. <laughs> Go pick their brain about what kind of insurance they have. Uh, how many of them are on public benefits or uh, government jobs? Those are good usually. So you know, you know though, what's going to happen when you know the stuff hits the fan. Uh, you know how precarious your your little bit of excess is. But you know, even even if you're not like worried about just financial disaster, even like many of us probably are not not super far away from that. We can imagine that. Others, it might not be. But the way that we live, no matter what. I think that we, we can live into this uh, lack and excess spectrum. We just get, get stuck on that track. Um, because you might be maybe just living for the next vacation. Uh, and then you're going to get to go on the vacation. And then in five months, you're going to need another vacation. You know, it's that kind of thing. There's never enough. I always, and the rest is fine. But if you're living for the vacation, that starts to feel bad. Maybe it's making it through the day so you can have that glass of wine when the kids go to bed. Maybe it's finding the next great show to binge on Netflix. Yes, binge is a normal thing now. It's fine. It could be more, uh, it could be more noble, too, not just you know, the excess of, uh, of enjoyment. I, I have a friend who, who's on a quest to climb all 55 14ers in Colorado. That's all, all, of, the, all of the mountains in Colorado that are higher than 14,000 feet. I can't help but wonder if that's just another version of chasing the lack, like actually having a mountaintop experience every two weekends. You know, just got to get to the next one. You know, and there are 55 of them. What's he going to do when he gets to 56? There's actually three more technicalities that you could add to your list when he gets there. But then he's going to have to climb Mount Everest, you know. It's going to happen. Um, that, that sense that there's always, there's always needs to be, to be more. But we could do this spiritually, too. You know, you could, you, could go, you could just be searching for that amazing worship experience that's going to fill you up and give you that euphoria that you need to, like, make it through the next 10 years of your life. Or you, you could, you know, again, the, the lack is all about evaluation. So you could come to this meeting and be like, huh, that guitar wasn't very good. You know, I was distracted. No, let's see, there are two guitars. So you don't know who I'm talking about. Okay? You know, one of you may, no, I'm not, no, like, it's the evaluation. That, that could really spoil the experience. You could like, ah, man, maybe I need to go to some other church where, you know, the guitar is better or where the preaching is better or, you know, got to be finding the right thing to satisfy me. You know, or you could go to your cell meeting and, ah, no one has said anything that I hadn't heard before. You know, I'm not even, even going to love them, you know. <laughs> Lo loving, this is, this is terrible. I'm not even going to love you, you, you know. We're, cha we're chasing the lack. We're aiming for e excess. And as we do that, we're missing the new creation. Jesus, when he says, I'm making, you know, I'm, he's going to make all things new like Paul says he did, Jesus is making more new too. He's doing a different kind of more, a more that is abundance, that is, that is not on that track of evaluation, that's not about lack or excess. Do I have enough? Am I satisfied? It's, it's, it's a state of being that is beyond. It's a more-ness that is more than more on that other worldly perspective. You feel me on that? Am I making sense? It's a different kind of more. 
Abundance is less about gratification and more about trust. The God of all creation became a human being and experienced all of our lack. And by experiencing the ultimate lack, death, he triumphed over it and made all things new. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 2, that because one died, uh, he died for all and never all live. We're reconciling our experience to the ultimate reality of God's abundance, even abundance that goes beyond death, a moreness that is more than this life can even offer. Beyond our fleeting excesses, beyond our basic fears, however they come up and however we try to address them, beyond our worldly perspective, that's what we're doing here. We're trying to shift our perspective beyond our perspective of more and enough, whatever they mean to us. In all the things we pursue with any kind of regularity, we must consider our perspective and reconcile our perspective with this new way of seeing the world, this new way of seeing more, this new way of seeing enough. And I think this is a lifelong project. And instead of constantly tonguing that wound of our lack, we put the new words of creation in our mouth and in our minds and our hearts. We observe the world, the people in it, and especially ourselves from God's new perspective of new creation. The questions are no longer, am I safe? Do I have enough? Am I satisfied? You know, we could start to recognize that those questions run us around like the demands that they are. And instead of just tongue in that same old wound, asking what needs to be done, What's next? What's on my list? What should I be doing right now instead of this? We are saying, no, there's more. There's more than that. There's more than all these demands. Behold, I'm making all things new. I think that the, that, that longing that, that leads us on all these quests, like climbing all these mountains or going to all these worship experiences or, or trying out new ways of being, the elusive desire for eternity is in our hearts. That's why we want to do all this stuff. There's something in us. Uh, Augustine said that our, our hearts are restless until they rest in God. The new project of, of new creation is, is resting, it's trusting, it's obeying. It's much less doing. This change in perspective is, is all that, uh, Paul is offering us in 2 Corinthians 5, and it makes a big difference to see the world in this new way. Now our doing is different. We are made new, and thus what we do is made new, more and abundant. Excess is going to happen occasionally, but it will go, and it's better if we share it than, than trust it for our security, which I think is what we're tempted to do by the worldly perspective. So we're making peace with our desire and channeling it into a better project. What, what, what it was meant for rather than a lesser end, like the thing that we desired. The desire is the thing. The desire for God, the desire for the abundance in the, in the new creation. So we embrace the desire, embrace the need, and trust God's infinite resources infinite resources for my infinite problems because tomorrow I'm going to have some more problems. I'm going to need to trust. And, and, I, and I'm deciding to trust, not deciding to solve my problems. You see the difference there? Not, not trying to figure it out, not learning all of the right techniques, not getting all of the moves down, not getting my soul in check, 
not demanding of myself a new heart with new fears that, or maybe no fears. No, I'm going to have all that. That's all there. But I'm going to trust and deciding that that, that that is my salvation. Not, not me being fixed, not me figuring it all out, getting more flexible, getting more uh, in tune. It's just basic trust. And if we do this, and it, you know, the world's going to be different, radically different. This perspective that Paul is teaching, uh, this, is, this is what it looks like when we challenge, this that I'm about to read, is what it looks like when we challenge the automatic feelings that exist along the path between lack and excess. Right after Paul's description of the new creation in 2 Corinthians 5, he says this in, in, in 2 Corinthians 6. Would someone read that out loud for us? Paul's been through a lot, but this is how he tells his story. How does he do that? How do we get to there? I think, as I've, as I've said, it starts with having a project about it at all. We name how we're reacting to the lack in ways that are not this. This is what, this is what life in the new creation looks like. And we can note, oh, okay, I'm doing something different there. And just noting that. Just changing your perspective long enough to say, okay, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do the thing that I always do. I'm just going to pause and say, is this what this desire is for? Is this what I'm for? Is this my purpose? Am I going to respond to the lack? Am I going to chase after the excess? Excess reliance on myself, excess control of my circumstances, Excess money, uh, excess uh, gratification. And, and it could even be uh, like this project itself could turn into the same old thing. You could do this. You could be, try to become Paul on the same old way, you know, evaluating yourself. Do I, how, I lack all the spiritual power, you know, and I, I, you, you could just be aiming for excess of praise from fellow Christians, excess of pride in your discipline, excess reliance on supernatural experience. But this simple project of trusting God and God's abundance is an alternative. Uh, and just naming it, just naming it is where it starts. We're shifting our perspective, and it's really hard to do. Just changing your perspective is where it starts. And I think if we can do that, if we can put the pause in and say, am I just going to react from the lack, from the, the, the limbic system, lizard brain? Am I just going to be a, be afraid the way that I that I often am, or can I notice it and say, okay, I'm doing the thing. Maybe I should say, uh, 
all things are new or something. What was it? What was it that Ben said? Uh, look, all things have become new. I'm new too. I could do a new thing. That's really powerful. If you could put that pause in your life and say that instead of the same old thing, instead of, oh no, instead of just tonguing the wound like you always do. I don't know how to stop tonguing a wound in my mouth, y'all. I can't do that. It's just going to happen until the wound heals and I make it worse by, by, by messing with it all day. But knowing that, <laughs> it kind of frees me up from feeling like an idiot that I do it, you know? Like having a group project of new creation, it can free you up to be like, yeah, I do that thing. Do you do that thing? Yeah, we do that thing. It's all right. We're trying for it. Maybe we should try to do something else. That, that's huge. That's a huge thing. That's why we gather here to encourage one another. Because just doing something else, just pausing long enough to notice that something is happening could make us brand new. It could be the new thing that Jesus is talking about, just doing that. But here's the thing also. I think that if you put this pause into your life, the Holy Spirit's going to fill it up with all kinds of things, and you're going to do new things. That, that that pause will create the new creation that, that you desire. That, that you might be closer to this than you think uh, if, if you just allow God to, to challenge that worldly perspective just for one minute. Give him a chance to interrupt your normal process. You know, the project's going to take a long time, uh, but I think there will be an immediate joy in the attempt. The freedom from being off the track towards excess, it'll just feel better. It'll feel better like right away. And as often as you challenge that worldly perspective and say, no, I'm a new creation. As often as you say, look, all things are made new. You'll, you'll, you'll get away from tongue in that lack. You'll, you'll, you'll start to experience glimpses of the, the new humanity that you're a part of. And you'll grow from a new root. That's radical. God, you have made all things new. You have made every person in this room new. Something happened when you died and rose from the dead that changed every trajectory. And we want to see it. We want to see it in that moment of pause if we can make it. And we want to see it otherwise if we don't. Save us, Lord. And help us to be new. Help us to uh, see the world as you see it and enjoy the abundance as you're giving it. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.